Welcome to ABC, Abergavenny Baptist Church, building faith and friendship. Today we're going to be looking at the second part of the story of a crazy loving father. Last week we focused on the father's relationship with his younger son, and today we're focusing on his relationship with his older son. Just to recap, you remember that Jesus was sharing a meal with sinners and tax collectors, the worst of sinners. And within that ancient Middle Eastern culture, to share a meal with someone had a profound significance. It meant you accepted them. So by Jesus eating a meal, sharing a meal with these sinners and tax collectors was a profound sign that God accepted them and forgave them. And there were these religious leaders standing nearby, tatting, lifting their noses up because they believed they knew God better and they believed that God would never eat and share a meal with sinners and tax collectors. And it's in response to these religious leaders that Jesus tells the story of a crazy, loving father who had two sons. His youngest son acts shamefully. He shamefully asks for his inheritance before his father has died. He shamefully spends all his inheritance on wild living rather than using that money to look after his father and his family. And he shamefully ends up feeding pigs and longing to eat the pig's food. This is extremely shameful behavior for a Jewish boy living in an ancient Middle Eastern culture. Finally, he comes to his senses And he decides he's going to go back home. And he's going to beg his father for forgiveness, hoping his father would receive him and accept him as a hired servant. But before he's even got back home, his father sees him in the distance, runs to him, embraces him, kisses him, and reinstalls him as a son. And then the father goes way over the top and he blows the whole entertainment budget for the year and throws a massive party because he simply can't restrain his joy. His lost son has returned. And wouldn't it be great if that's where the story ended? With everyone parting. But it doesn't. The oldest son, who represents the tatting religious leaders, is not at the party. And when he finds out about the party, we are told in verse 28 that he is angry and he refuses to join in. He is outside sulking, making a scene. I'm not going in. Now we miss the significance of this. This is highly shocking behavior. This is shameful behavior within that culture. 
Within that culture, the eldest son should be co-hosting the party. Custom requires his presence. To refuse to go in is to publicly humiliate his father in front of the guests. It's to bring shame upon his father. Now there is a break in the relationship between the father and the oldest son, which is nearly as bad as the break in relationship between the father and the youngest son at the beginning of the story. The story has done a complete circle. The youngest son is at home, while the eldest son is lost outside. Now, within that culture, everyone would expect the father simply to order his son to come in. And they would expect him to punish his son for such shameful behavior. That would restore the father's honor. But this father does a completely crazy thing within that culture. And we read in verse 28. So his father went out and pleaded with him. That is shameful behavior within that culture. That is completely shameful behavior by the father. But it's the loving thing to do. And again, the father shifts the shame from his son unto himself. And again, the father shows grace and love to a son. How does his son respond? Does he respond like his younger brother who is just overwhelmed and feels unworthy? No. He complains. He complains that his father has treated him unfairly. That his father hasn't given him what he deserves. And we read in verse 29. Look. He doesn't even address his father with the title father. He merely says, look. All these years I've been slaving for you. And never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me Even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. Then he complains that his father has been unfair in the way he's treated his brother. He's given his brother what he doesn't deserve. Verse 20, but when this son of yours, not when my brother, when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, You kill the fattened calf for him. You haven't given me what I deserve, and you've given my brother what he doesn't deserve. This is unfair. Wow. And at one level, he seems to be right. His father does seem to be unfair. And the older brother does seem to be badly treated. It seems to be favoritism. But when we take a closer look at what he actually says, it's quite revealing. 
It reveals that the oldest son doesn't see himself as a son, but a servant. The essential difference between a servant and a son is a servant works in order to get what they deserve, earn their pay. Where a son merely receives undeserved, unmerited favors from the father simply because he's a son. And this older son seems to deny any relationship with his father. He doesn't refer to his father as his father. He doesn't have he doesn't even refer to his brother as my brother. He doesn't seem to have any relationship with the family. More so, in verse 29, he actually says, I have been slaving for you. He has an attitude and a spirit of a servant. You see, he has been obeying his father, working hard for his father, in order to get pay, and now there is a labor dispute over wages. This is ridiculous. This is not how a son should behave. And people who have this servant mentality often have the following characteristics. Firstly, they're self-righteous. They think they're better than other people. In verse 29 he says, I have never disobeyed my father. Never. Look how good I am. And they look down on other people. Secondly, they seem to have a lack of self-awareness. They seem to be blinded to their own faults. He claims, I have never disobeyed my father, yet he has just publicly humiliated and insulted his father. Oh, he might follow all the rules, he might tick all the boxes, but there's a major break in his relationship with his father. They often get all the little things right, but they neglect what is really important. Having a close relationship with God. Thirdly, they have a martyr mentality. Poor me. I have been working so hard and no one gives me the recognition I deserve. And they have a sense of entitlement. I have worked hard, so I deserve. Where is my goat for my party? Lastly, they get angry at grace. They can't handle it when someone else gets undeserved favor. They resent it. They become jealous of other people's success and they become judgmental. Do you know people like this? Because sadly, the church is often full of people like this. And the tatting religious leaders listening to this story know that Jesus is talking about them. 
They believe they follow all of God's command. They believe they are faultless. They believe they are entitled to God's acceptance because they've earned it. And they are angry at and they resent the fact that Jesus is eating with sinners and tax collectors. But they totally neglect the fact that in doing so, they're insulting God. They're humiliating God which is a far greater sin. How do we overcome a servant mentality? Well, let's see how the father responds. He responds in verse 31. He says, My son. In striking contrast, he uses a title and an affectionate one at that. My son. You are always with me and everything I have, everything I have is yours. Firstly, we need to have a right understanding of God's grace. The father reminds the son that he has given him everything. The son has inherited everything. It is impossible for the father to give him a goat or anything else because he's already given him everything. What did the older son do to deserve that? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. The father merely gives him his inheritance. That's grace. Undeserved, unmerited favor and love from the Father. And he seems to deny that, or at least he seems to have forgotten that. And in fact, he complains that his father has treated him unfairly, that his father hasn't given him what he deserves. And he's right. His father hasn't given him what he deserves. If his father gave him what he deserved, he would have got a goat. His father gives him way more than what he deserves. He gives him everything. And if he has undeservingly received everything, how can he complain that his brother has undeservingly received a calf? The way to overcome a servant mentality is to realize that you have received undeserved, unmerited love and grace and acceptance and forgiveness from God. Secondly, you need to have a right motivation for doing work. A son doesn't work for you as his father in order to get paid. He works in order to show his father how much he loves his father and how grateful he is for all his father has done. The way to overcome a servant mentality is to ensure our motivation is right. That we are working as a way of showing God how much we love Him and how grateful we are for everything He's done for us. Thirdly, you need to treasure your relationship more than the paycheck. His father reminds him what is truly important in verse 31 where he says, You are always with me. What's most important is having a close relationship with your father. 
being in fellowship with your father. He has been working with his dad. He has been celebrating with his dad things his younger brother has missed out on, yet he just takes that for granted. The way to overcome a servant mentality is to ensure that our relationship with God is always our priority. Lastly, we need to know the heart of God and have a heart for the lost. In verse 32, the Father says, But we had to celebrate and be glad, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. If he truly knew the heart of his Father, if he truly loved his Father He would have known how his father's heart was broken when his brother left. And that would have broken his heart. And then when his brother returns, he too would not be able to restrain himself from celebrating, for they had to celebrate. The way to overcome a servant mentality is to know the heart of God and to see people the way God sees people, to love people the way God loves people. And this is how the story ends. It ends with the father inviting his older son to come back in and join the party. And we left hanging. We don't know how he responds. We don't know how the tutting religious leaders responded to Jesus. Did they come back in and join the party? It's an open ending. And it's an open ending because Jesus is inviting us today to come back in and join the party. For so often we all start off like the younger son, overwhelmed by God's love and acceptance, but then we gradually become more and more like the older son. At least that was my experience. When I became a Christian, I was so overwhelmed with God's love and acceptance of me. I was so filled with excitement and joy that I threw myself into doing all kinds of good works for God in order to show God how much I loved Him and appreciated what He had done for me. But as time went on, I was less focused on what God had done for me, and I became more focused on what I was doing for God. I became less focused on God's relationship with me, and I became more focused on what the good things I was doing for God. And I started becoming more like a servant. Like the older brother, I was in the house, I was in church, but my heart was not there. I had the appearance of being in a close relationship with God, but actually it was all about following rules, about doing the right things in order to earn God's acceptance. I'd become a servant. And as a result of that, I became self-righteous and judgmental. I became very judgmental of other Christians who did not live up to my levels of devotion. I even became judgmental of our pastor one day 
when he didn't come to the early morning prayer meeting. Later, when I saw him, I said, we missed you this morning. When actually what I was thinking was, where were you? He said, oh, I didn't miss you. I was in bed with my wife. You see, the prayer meeting had become a chore for me. It had become something I had to do in order to earn God's acceptance. And as a result, I became extremely judgmental of anyone who didn't do what I felt I had to do. See, I had forgotten that I too was a sinner and needed forgiveness. I wasn't better than anyone else. I had forgotten that I too had received undeserved forgiveness and and love and acceptance from God. I had forgotten that there was absolutely nothing I could do to earn God's love and acceptance. I couldn't do anything to make God love me more. I couldn't do anything to make God love me less because God simply loved me because He loved me because He loved me. You see, God's acceptance of us isn't dependent on how good you are. It's dependent on how good He is. I should have wanted to go to the prayer meeting, not as a chore, not as a way of earning God's acceptance. I should be wanting to go to the prayer meeting because I love God and I want to spend time with God in prayer. When I came to that realization, it delivered me from a spirit and an attitude of a servant. From a sense of entitlement and self-righteousness. From being judgmental. And if you think, well, I, oh, I'm a good person. I, I do good stuff. I've never done anything wrong. God owes me. Then you've missed the whole point. You can't earn God's acceptance because God already accepts you. What God wants is a relationship with you. God wants to be with you. God wants to celebrate with you. And He's inviting you to come and join the party. Do the things you do for God feel like a chore, a burden? Are you resentful when other people appear to be doing less than you? Do you think it's unfair? If so, you are probably developing a servant mentality. And I believe that Jesus is inviting you today to come back in and join the party. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, 
we thank you that your love for us isn't dependent on how good we are, how sorted we are, how hard-working we are, how clever we are. It isn't dependent on how good we are, but it's dependent on how good you are. We thank you that you love us because you love us because you love us. Father, we pray that you would forgive us in those times when we have slipped into a servant mentality, where we think we have done things to earn your love and acceptance, when we have become self-righteous, judgmental, when we have become the martyr, poor me, look how hard I work, when we have become resentful of other people, Father, won't you forgive us? Won't you remove a spirit and an attitude of a servant from us? And let us know our true status, that you call us your children. That you receive us into into your family and you just pour your love and your grace and your acceptance upon us because you love us. Help us never to forget that. Help us never to take that for granted. Help us to want to just be with you and in your presence as our main desire. We ask this all in the name of Jesus. Amen.